Well, for some time now, we have been in a consecutive expository study of the Gospel of Luke. And in our previous segment, the one most just last week, Jesus warned his followers that one must either play by the rules of this age or by the rules of the age to come. One is a lot easier to play by, and a lot more people do it. But he is talking about the age to come and how it is the reversal of all things. And Jesus is still on that main point in chapter 16 of Luke. And our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 16, finishing off. We went 1 through 18 last time. And now chapter 19 through 31. Luke 16, 19 through 31 is our scripture reading. And hear it with careful Attention and appreciation, for it is the word of God. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here. And you are in anguish. And besides all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able. And none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that... He may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be convinced if someone rise from the dead. And he, 
The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of God abides forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, now we ask that you would give us light and understanding of this important passage. Lord, I ask you that we will understand what your son was teaching and grasp the truth and the promise, Father, that is there for those who believe. Father, we ask this now in Jesus' sake. Amen. As I said, one must choose which kingdom they will serve. Last week, we looked at 1 through 12, and listen to the very next verse from that in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is not really talking about money. He's talking about the impossibility of being able to serve God and another master. That master may be money, but it's something other than what Jesus came to bring. And Jesus is here now and was on on the earth and he was bringing and introducing this new kingdom that worked by different rules and different standards. And yet he's continuing on in this chapter making another important point about the reversal of fortunes that Jesus is bringing into the world. It is important that we understand that today's parable about a rich man must not be severed from the context. That's what I'm trying to give you a little help in understanding. After a brief note about kingdom values, Jesus turns back to the use of resources. He turns back to that, so, to that again. He was talking about it, and now he's talking about it again. But this time in the context of... Lazarus and this rich man. After a brief note, Jesus is back at it again. And he's raising, in this case, a negative example. And he discusses kingdom ethics and values about caring for one another and others, especially in need. That's what he's, this time it's Focusing on that negative and the need to have care for one another. And you're going to see, and you read, as we just read, you see that the rich man cared nothing for this poor man, Lazarus. You see, today's parable of the rich man and the Lazarus, as I said, is not really about money. It's about much more than the dollar and the mark and the 
pound sterling. Now here are our four points for outline today. Two persons, two places, two petitions, and two problems unfold in our scripture reading this morning. Let's dig into the first one. Two persons. Who's involved here? There are two people. Chapter 19 through 21. By the way, have you ever heard this one? Rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, doctor, lawyer, and Indian chief. Everybody, anybody ever heard that? Some of you did growing up. Some of you are saying, what is the pastor talking about? Uh, but again, uh, that used to is part of a children's counting rhyme back in the day. And it was used to divine what their occupation might be when they grew up. So they would go through this thing. It was a counting rhyme. And, and whatever it landed on, maybe they would be an, a, a doctor or they would be a lawyer or, or something else in make-believe. But, of course, this is not make-believe. Jesus is telling a story, a parable, but it's not make-believe. It is about important spiritual truth. Today we encounter Jesus' story about a man named Lazarus and an unnamed rich man. Now, you may not know this, but he is often called, and I'm referring to the unknown uh, uh, dives is a Latin word for rich. So if you've ever heard or, or if you've ever followed something like uh, Ralph von Williams' Dives and Lazarus, some of you may know that piece of music, beautiful piece of music, one of my favorites. It's actually, I heard the voice of Jesus say, we sing that tune sometime. Well, dives is the Latin word for um, the Latin word for rich. So it's saying basically rich man and Lazarus. Now, back to the story. These men could not have been more different. This beggar, Lazarus, and this incredibly rich man. And we would rename them perhaps the billionaire and the beggar. That would, that would be another apt way that we could say this. One was rich, the other was, of course, poor. One feasted while the other starved. One was clothed in purple and the other was covered in sores. Furthermore, Lazarus had been literally dumped at the rich man's gate. And he was dumped there probably pretty much a daily routine. And the rich man always, of course, found a way to go around him. Maybe he was part of what the rich man was supposed to be doing to care for those less fortunate. And yet he never, never helped or showed any interest. You see, the rich man knew who Lazarus was. He knew his name. He knew his name was Lazarus. And yet his cold heart was 
untouched. This was a matter of literal indifference, intentional indifference and knowing neglect. This wasn't, oh, we, oh, I didn't know we got to, oh, yeah, let me see if I can help. Yeah. He was there over and over again in hunger and in great need. You see, we must, though, even though we have this guy with all of his wealth and not using it as he should be using it for the kingdom and the cause of Christ, But we don't want to go beyond what the text is actually saying. There's nothing in the text that says having wealth is somehow inherently evil. We must not imply something Jesus did not say about the rich man and his money. Now, I'm not going to ask you to listen to me tell you that. I'm going to get my former professor, Ralph Davis, to tell you that uh, when I was in seminary. Listen to what he says. It's, very, I think, very insightful. He says, as Jesus said, a certain rich man. He didn't say this is true of all rich people. God uses the wealth of the world in a lot of ways. See, it's not a, he said, in this case, it's a certain rich man that is being talked about. In verse 19a. But we must be clear. What this does not mean. Not mean. It was not his fault that he was rich. Jesus does not say that he had no right to be rich. Jesus is not a Marxist. So far as we know he obtained his wealth honestly. Nor does Jesus imply that he should get rid of all his riches. Now, he does that in another place to the rich young ruler. He had a different problem. But nothing is said about that here. Nor that he should save the world. Only that he should have aided the particular man who was plainly in view of his eyes daily. Day. After day, he showed no mercy, no kindness, no compassion. Selfishness through and through. His own agenda always first. The kingdom and the kingdom's sheep did not matter to this man. Now, You see, there are two places also. There are two people, two persons, but there are also two places. And that's in chapters 22 and 23, or verses 22 and 23. Indeed, the lives of these two persons, as I said, could not be more disparate and different. But they did have one thing in common. You know what that was? They're going out of this world. Not this way, that way. That's the one thing all human beings have in common. They die. And it happened to Lazarus, and it happened to the rich man. 
and it happens to everyone else that is on this planet and will happen unless Jesus comes before to take us. Now, you see, their radical, disparate lives came to an identical conclusion. They died, and they went to their eternal fate. And that's going to happen to all of us. It's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to every person on the planet. Like I said, unless Jesus comes before we meet our death. Now, on the one hand, by the way, both the rich man and the poor man, as I said, died, but they went to two different places. When Lazarus died, he saw a band of angels coming after him, coming for to carry me home. He was going to the bosom of Abraham or to be at the side in the context and fellowship of Father Abraham. In the bosom of Abraham. Today, we usually refer that place or call that place often heaven. That's where he was going when he died. On the other hand, though, Jesus said the rich man was buried and was in torment in Hades. Now, in Matthew and Luke, Hades... Something somewhat equivalent to the Old Testament idea of Sheol. But Hades is a popular opposite of heaven. It's normally portrayed as an opposite in Matthew and in Luke. And it's a place associated with Satan, but not ruled by him. Not yet. Eventually, the devil's and his demons will be tormented there as well. Now, Jesus is saying there is a real place called heaven. And there is a real place called hell. And every person who dies, with no exceptions, goes to one or the other place. And not both. There's no, hey, let's try it over here for a while and see how. No, no, no. It's one or the other. You see, there is no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's no do-overs. There's no mulligans. Sorry, golfers. Hebrews 9, 27 says what? It is appointed unto men, men and women, boys and girls, to die, and after that, what? The judgment. It is appointed men to die, and after that, the judgment. Now, that's two of things that we've looked at. Here's the third, two petitions. That's in 24 and in 27 and 28. Did you note that Lazarus never speaks in the story that Jesus is telling? He doesn't say anything. 
The rich man interacts, but Lazarus never speaks. He is named, but he's silent. Then the rich man speaks twice and pleads with Abraham. This is his petition. He's pleading with Abraham for two things. First, he is in hell crying out for mercy. And he wants a drop of water to cool his tongue because he is in agony in this flame of hell. Secondly, the rich man pleads for his family. But notice this. It's only after he pleads for himself. All the way through, consistent in life and in death. Notice verses 27 and 28. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that they may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. Now, once again, sinners remain selfish, even in hell. He's making sure his request comes first. Now, there are also two important problems here with what, this rich man is asking. There are two problems, and that's 25 through 26 and 29 through 31 of our text. There are two problems. The first problem is this. After death, the positions are unchangeable. There is nothing that can be altered. A great impenetrable chasm has been placed between Lazarus and the rich man. The great reversal has come for the rich man and for Lazarus. And it will come to all that are either trusting in Christ, their place will be one of bliss with Father Abraham and with God and with the angels. The others, like the rich man, that do not believe and will not believe, their course is quite the contrary. The greatest reversal had come. And what Lazarus has now will never be taken. And that's true of every true Christian. Whatever happens to you, child of God, follower of Christ, believer in Christ, you will not have your place taken because it's already been taken by Jesus and he's already done it for you if you believe and trust in him. Now, there's a second problem. I told you the first one. <laughs> this great divide. You can't, you can't get over it, through it, around it. But there's a second problem. People 
who will not believe God's word, people that will not believe God's word, even a great miracle like someone coming back from the dead in verses 29 through 31. A person who will not believe the Bible and repent of sin will not believe and repent even if they see a resurrection. That's what Jesus is saying. They're saying, you've got Moses and the prophets. You've got the word of God. And if they will not listen to and abide by that and take the gospel that is there and receive it and believe it, if they will not do that, no matter what kind of shenanigans, what kind of uh, things that you try to get situation to pan out, you can't do it. They will not believe. They will not believe. Even though they say they will believe, well, if I could just have this, they will not believe. They will not. A lot of people say, well, if I just had this and if God would just do this, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. Not unless you already repent and believe. If if you, what Jesus is saying is you've got everything in the gospel that you need. And if you won't take that, if you won't repent and believe what I've told you, the truth about who I am and what I've come to do, if you will not, no amount of anything that you throw at this situation will change. A person who will not believe the Bible and repent of sin will not believe and repent even if they see a resurrection. And you know that is exactly what they did see. His resurrection. Jesus' resurrection. He was telling them that day, you're going to see a resurrection, but you're not going to believe it when you do. You're going to say, oh, we need more fruit. No. You're going to see what the rich man is saying. If they, if they just have enough evidence. Jesus says, no, you're going to get them. Not, you have the scriptures already. You have everything you need. But I'm going to be the one that will come and die and rise again. And then you still will not believe. You see, that's a hardness of heart. That's an unbelief at the deepest level. And that's exactly what they would see, his resurrection, but they would not believe it. And that continues to go on and go on in this world, year in, year out. Those that say, ah, not enough evidence. Well, if I just had something really, really extraordinary, some kind of great thing that would be, that would make it so obvious. No, you wouldn't. That's what Jesus is saying. You've got everything that you need to believe in me and be with me. But you have to repent and believe. Listen to what Philip Ryken, pastor of 10th Street, a PCA pastor on this point, I think really makes a, a really good, and of course, borrows a little, he borrows a little C.S. Lewis 
as well. The time for choosing where we will go is now. And the way we choose is by believing or not believing in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis went on to say that the choices we are making right now determine our eternal destiny. For people who choose the world instead of God, earth itself will turn out to be a suburb of hell. While for those who follow after God, earth will prove to have been from the beginning a part of heaven itself. Are you getting that? You see, for those who will not believe, hell will swallow them up. It will be always around them. And yet for those who believe, they may have had a hard life. It will turn out to be heaven itself. And then he says, Which choice are you making? And where will it lead in the end? Where, what choice are you making? And where will it lead in the end? You think about that. Amen. Father, these are serious words, but words spoken by your son. And they are truth. Father, I pray that you will cause those. You are the only one that can bring through your resurrection. Bring us from death to life. Father, thank you for the promise. That for the world that you are preparing. And Lord, Until that day comes, show us how to love you and to love others well. To care for the needs of others. And realize that the greatest joys are still before us, we who believe. Father, will you turn the hearts of the unbelieving. For them to believe Moses and the prophets and the gospel in your holy word and receive it and believe it and so be with us when that day comes when we are called home by that sweet chariot. And We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.